Hello everyone and welcome to episode 5 of The Power of Books. My name is Timo Jübner, I'm the founder of Timo's Notes and every week I interview popular non-fiction authors about their best-selling books. The goal of the show is to introduce you to new books, provide you with helpful advice and practical tools and give you a glimpse behind the scenes of the book and beyond its contents. My guest today is Ken Rusk. Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses. He's an advocate for blue-collar work, a mentor, coach, and best-selling author of the book Blue Collar Cash, Love Your Work, Secure Your Future, and Find Happiness for Life. In today's episode, we'll be talking about how to create a vision for your life and how to turn it into reality by creating a career plan and setting the right goals. We will also talk about the benefits of working a blue-collar job, how to transition from a different career path, and a lot more. So now, let's get right into our conversation. Enjoy the show. Ken Rusk, welcome to the show. You're the author of Blue Collar Cash, and I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate being here. So let's start off with this. What can people expect from your book? Well, you know, I think, I think sometimes the name suggests that it's only about blue collar, but really what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to tell people that if you can figure out what you want your life to look like first, in other words, begin with, you know, what you want your nirvana to look like, your comfort, peace, and freedom, which is what I call it in the book, then any path can get you there. It doesn't have to be a white collar job, it doesn't have to be a college degree job, it doesn't have to be, you know, it, it could be any type of path. And especially now that blue collar jobs are in such high demand, um, you know, they always say where supply is low and the, and, and the demand is high, that's where the money goes. And um, that's what's happening in the blue collar world right now. So I really try to get people thinking straight for the first several chapters on, you know, how do I think about what I want for me? And then I'll pick one of the many paths that can get me there. That's a good and brief summary. So I'm curious, how did you get into the blue collar world? Tell us a little bit about your early beginnings of your work life. Well, you know, my high school shared a fence with an industrial park. And when I was 15, after school, we used to go through that hole in the fence and hang out at the, at the local carryout down the street. But you had to go through this industrial park to get there. And um, I just remember it always being very busy, you know, bustling with people and, you know, things that young guys would like, you know, things like backhoes and dump trucks and, you know, that, you know all this type of construction type stuff. And um, I just remember one day I walked in and I said, hey, what do you guys do here? And they said, well, we're basically ditch diggers. And I said, well, you know, I need money. I want to be able to go bowling with my buddies or, you know, take my wife out for pizza or, or my girlfriend at the time, I should say. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I needed a job. And I said, I think I can do that. So I kind of signed on um, and, and started digging ditches for them in the, in the summertime when I wasn't in school. And then in the wintertime, uh, after high school, I would walk through the fence and, and go work in the office uh, as much as I could. So I kind of got a well-rounded version of, of training within that company. And then at some point, they wanted me when I was 18. Uh, I had to decide whether I was going to go to college or not. And they offered me this position of traveling around the country, opening up franchises or sub offices of, of the main branch. And so I jumped on that and um, 
you know, I, I lived out of a suitcase for a couple of years and, and then I decided to, to settle down and open my own place. So in 1986, I moved to Toledo, Ohio. We opened our own place with six people and now we have two house or two offices and uh, almost 200 people uh, working there now. So it's been quite a ride. That's awesome. Uh, that's a really cool story. And I like how you just kind of got into it and then stick with the same career path and just moved yourself up and kind of climbed the proverbial career ladder, but in a different way than most people would think. So that's interesting. And what do you think is the, the special thing or, or the great thing that blue collar jobs have to offer for people compared maybe to white collar jobs? Well, you know, I, I tell you, it, to me, it's all about control, okay? So I can control my input, the level of work. I can control the output, how much I get done. I can control the quality of that. I can control my time. I can control my scheduling. I can control my financial gain. So having all those things under your own purview, I think is a lot more important and a lot more advantageous than it is to work in some high-rise building somewhere where you're you know, on the 15th floor in a cubicle and you're a very small piece of a huge corporation. To me, I like to see the beginning and the end. I'd like to, I like to have that stand back moment at the end of a long day when you've done something and you can look at it and appreciate it. And uh, I just think that uh, blue collar careers offer a lot of that. And especially now that so few people are willing to do them, again, that's where all the money's going. So you can make a great living in a blue collar job um, if you're willing to get out there and do something with your hands. Yeah, I totally agree. It's actually similar right here in Germany that blue collar workers are really in demand and you, you can barely find people who are qualified or who want to work in those jobs. So I guess it's, it's similar in the US as you just mentioned probably. Yeah, I think one of the issues there, you know, th this isn't something that just happened overnight. This was a slow, slow process. And, you know, when I was in high school, they had something called shop class. And you could walk in and you could build furniture or you could fix a car or you could, um, you know, weld something or you could uh, wire an electrical outlet or you, know, you could learn how to cook or whatever you wanted to do, you could explore those options in high school. Well, they, they took those classes and they took the machines out and they replaced those classes with computers. Now, I know we need to learn computers, I get that, but why, why couldn't we have had both? Why did it have to be one or the other? Because what happened is you eliminated the accidental discovery of all these trades by kids like myself who would just be walking down the hallway going, wow, what's that guy doing in there? That's pretty cool. I think I'd like to try that. So you eliminate that possibility for them. And then all the, all the high schools suddenly overnight became college prep schools, whatever that means. And so if you're not going to college, you're walking the hallways of your high school going, wow, is, is there something, am I less than, am I less than because I'm not going to college? Am I going to be stigmatized because I'm not. So now the college or the high schools are trying to shove a hundred percent of their students into college. And at least in the US, half the people working in the US do something with their hands. So you can't put a hundred percent of people into college and then expect to find people to do the work like we can, the kind of work that we do. Um, again, at least not with, not without paying for it. That's totally right. And, and I think it's similar in Germany. I think 
in Germany, we have different levels of, of what's the equivalent to high school in the US. And the one I went to was basically like you uh, explained right now, like you don't have any classes where you are doing something with your hands, like building something or, or cooking or sewing or whatever, like nothing, no handwork, no, no handcrafts, anything like that. And a couple of friends of mine who went to a different type of school, they at least had classes where they were taught some um, basics around housework and everything and, and crafting with their hands. And even back then in school, I was kind of envious of them because I thought that's actually cool. And, and as you said, you learn practical things for life, not just how to become a good college, college student. So it's interesting that the school systems are so different. And we in Germany are also very fortunate because we don't have to pay as much for college. College debt is not really a thing in Germany. But anyway, I think it's still a good option in, in a country like Germany to go for the blue collar route. Or, or do you think it's, it's not really connected to the college debt thing? Would you say it's still interesting? Or does that kind of change the game a little bit? Well, first off, you know, there, there's two reasons to go to college. One, because you have a specific reason for going. I want to go to become a doctor. So I study to become a doctor, and when I'm done, I'm a doctor. Pretty simple process. The other reason for going is because someone told you you had to. You don't have a reason to go, but your parents or the teachers or the guidance counselor or the colleges themselves say, wow, if you don't go to college, you're not going to amount to anything. That's the wrong reason to go to school because those people probably would have been better off working with their hands, okay? Um, doing whatever, I mean, opening their own flower shop or a bakery or doing whatever. So, you know, going to school because someone told you so is not usually a, a good idea, especially because of how inefficient the system is. People not knowing why they're going when they get there, changing their degrees when they get there, never using their degree when they graduate, taking a degree that's so unpopular that no one can hire you for it, and then getting involved in all that debt. It's kind of a crazy, inefficient system if you're not going for a specific reason. So that's why I say, you know, there is so much opportunity right now. We have finished carpenters in my area making more money than attorneys and accountants and it's it's crazy and and they're doing it because you know they may they're in such high demand that they can command the prices that they want to to to, to command and also because the demand is so high that you know they're looked upon as these really special people um and they are uh, but they chose to take the right path now it's only going to get worse because for every five electricians in the or for every 10 electricians in the United States that are retiring right now, average age 52 to 55, there's only five coming online to replace them. So you can see really quickly what's going to happen in the coming years as these tradesmen and women retire. Not many people coming in behind them. It's going to make this problem even worse, which is why in blue collar cash, I call it the blue collar crisis. I mean, you know, it's not just a it's not just a, a mild supply and demand thing. This is going to be a real crisis in the coming years. Yeah, and as we, we discussed before, I think Germany is heading down the same path, kind of. So obviously you have done your part in that, but what do you think, how can like the country or the, or the cities or employees, uh, employers, better market or, or 
let people know, especially um, high school students, that they should go a different route, that they have huge potential. Like some, somehow this has to be taught people or shown people because it seems like not many people see the opportunity. So what's your take on that? What's maybe the best way to kind of promote blue collar worker workers more? Well, you know, you really have to target the parents and the educators, the teachers, because right now they're under this impression that it's college or else. And they're the ones that are directing the students on what to do. So you really have to get to that level because the colleges are so, they have all the money in the world and they're really good at marketing themselves. I mean, colleges are meant to give education But college's primary job is to sell more college. I mean, that's just what they do. So you have to get to the teachers. You have to get to the, to the parents and say, hey, you can't be so one-sided here. You have, to, you have to look at all the possibilities. And you know what's really funny is parents teach, uh, parents, they'll, 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 they thank me when I tell them this story because here's a quick example. So you have a child that maybe shouldn't go to college, but you push him or her into it anyway. And they're going to spend $40,000 or $50,000 a year all in on college. That's $200,000 by the time they're done. Hopefully they didn't borrow all that so they don't have to pay it for the rest of their lives. Now, you can have someone come out of high school and immediately start making $50,000 a year as an assistant to a carpenter or a plumber or an electrician. That's $200,000 in the plus side in the same four-year period. That is a $400,000 swing from negative to positive. And when I tell that story to parents, they look at me like, oh my God, why didn't anybody ever tell me that? I mean, how come I didn't know this, you know? Especially for the child, again, who, who may, would have been better off working with their hands, okay? So they now have this expensive degree that they're not going to use. And the only person that benefited was the college. So in, in, in my mind, you really have to get to you have to you know kind of open that that conversation and have people light bulbs go off and go wow we're, what are we doing here i mean i have four kids and maybe maybe two of them should have gone to college because they had a specific reason but the other two didn't and maybe they shouldn't have so uh you know i'm not anti-college okay if you're going to operate on my shoulder so i can get back out on the golf course i want you to know everything there is to know about a knife before you pick it up okay <laughs> i get that Or if, or if you're going to be a teacher or if you're going to be an engineer or an architect or something like that, yeah, you need to know that stuff. But if you're just going to go, there's a whole lot of better, uh, better ways to, to, uh, to make your life happen for yourself. Yeah, I totally agree. If you, let's say from the perspective of that child who has brothers or sisters who went to college, but they themselves know they would like to go down a different path, but their parents tell them you should go to college. What would you, what type of advice would you give a, a child like that? I would say this, I would say, you know, they always talk about these gap years, okay, between high school and college. I would say to that child, you know, everybody's hiring, you know, you said it yourself, even in Germany, everyone's looking for somebody, right? So all the businesses are hiring like crazy. I would say to that child, go out and try some things. Go out and, and you know, you could spend a month in each trade if you want. Go out and be an assistant to a carpenter for a while, or go out and be work at a mechanic shop, or go out and 
try some welding or, or try working in a bakery or a restaurant or something and see if that doesn't really spark something in you where you go, wow, that's really cool. I think I'd like to do that. So you have the time to do it. You can always go to college, okay? Even if it's two, three years from now, you can always go to college after you've tried working a few jobs and seeing what you like. It's much harder the opposite way. When you've already gone to school for a degree that maybe you didn't want, and now you get a job in a field that you're not crazy about, and now you're trying to unwind all that process to go do something else with a bunch of debt. I would rather see you know exactly what you want before you go there than to go there and just hope something good comes out of it. Yeah, I think the the point of testing things and trying different things out and see what actually is enjoyable work or which lights you up, as you said, I think that's a great idea. And um, I totally agree with the feeling of fulfillment kind of when working with your hands, because after I finished high school, I also took a gap year and I worked at a um, car detailing service for a couple months. But I actually did it because I saved up to go travel. But I still felt that sense of fulfillment when I kind of had the, the car finished and it looked all clean and beautiful again and everything. So I totally get the feeling of at the end of today, you can take the step back, as you said, and look at it and, and say to yourself, that's what I did. And in comparison to that, if I look at some of the office jobs I did, at the end of the day, I didn't really know what I accomplished and I, and I didn't really have a sense of fulfillment. Other, actually, instead, I had the, the feeling of the things I didn't do and what I have to do the next day. So that's, that's totally right. Yeah, sure. I mean, imagine, imagine if you were... Imagine if you were detailing that car and they said, you're only allowed to wash the rear fender and that's it. And then you walk away. You don't, you don't know what happened at the end. I mean, you don't get the whole A to Z uh, thing, you know, the start to finish thing. I remember as a landscaper, I used to plant these pine trees. I worked for a, a pretty nice landscaping company. And they did, they worked on really nice houses and all new construction. And I remember being around the construction site and I remember planting these huge pine trees and moving these huge boulders into place. And at the end of the day, we did something that was so beautiful that you stood back and you leaned on your shovel and you're like, wow, that is really incredible what we did there. And that would, let, that would stand the test of time. I just don't think you get the same thing in an office environment if, if, if you're not part of the whole process. Yes, definitely a rarer sensation that you get because you might if you are like a developer or something or you build websites you might have that feeling after a couple months once once you finish the website but as you said you don't have the immediate feedback that's that's true so for someone like me i went to college i just graduated actually a couple months ago if someone like me now decides to switch careers and, and say i want to go on the, the route of of like discovering a new path maybe um, testing different blue collar jobs would you say it's a different they should go um, at it a different no, a similar path like someone who finished high school just going out and testing things or would you take a different approach well I, I think I think the first thing I would do is I would make absolutely certain that you mapped out what you wanted your life to look like and this is what I do with my with my students that I coach you know 
we actually, believe it or not, we get out a big white poster board and some crayons and we start drawing like, what would your what would your ultimate house look like? Okay, what would that look like? Draw that out. What would be your transportation mode? Would it, would it be a motorcycle, a pickup truck, a van, electric car? What would it be? Um, public transportation, whatever it might be. What would be your um, your hobby? Let's let's draw what your hobby is. Mine happens to be golf. I would draw a beautiful golf course. Okay. Um, what would be your pet? Um, well, let's see, I like golden retrievers, so I would probably draw a golden retriever and then give them a name and, and, and that kind of thing. Then what would be your charity moment, like your give back? If you had some money in your hand and you had time to, to give back to the community, how would you do it? And, and, and you look at all of those kinds of things and you just draw your life out and you say, wow, that's pretty cool. I would like my life to look like that. If I could get it that way, that would be really awesome. That would be my comfort, peace, and freedom like I talk about in the book. I think you start with that process and, and figure that out. And then see, the reason I say that is because for me, I think ditch digging was probably number 99 out of a list of 100 things if you asked me I was going to do for a living, right? But I had a real clear vision of what did I want my, my life to look like. And therefore, I used the, the opportunity of, of doing that job to bolster my life, to get it the way I wanted. And then later in life, I was allowed, you know, in my 30s and 40s, as I started making money, then I started investing in those other things that I really wanted to do when I was younger. So it's never too late. So, yeah, my advice to you would be to, to get your life the way you see it, draw it out, keep it in front of you. You know, only 1% of people in, in, in the world are willing to do that. Only one out of 100 is willing to do that. And by the way, those 1% those of the people make nine times more money than everybody else uh, combined in their lifetime. So draw that out, get it in front of you, and then go out and pick one of the many paths that you might try that can start picking away and getting that life plan that you're building. And then you'll settle into something and find something that you like, and then um, off you go. Wow, yeah, that's powerful. So yeah, I need to, I need to let that sink in for a moment because It applies, as you said, it's not necessarily about taking a blue collar job, as long as you know what you ultimately want and then find a path to work towards it. And you mentioned um, a couple times already your um, comfort, peace and freedom that you talk a lot about. So could you maybe explain that uh, in a little more detail for the for the audience? Yeah, so when I was when I was first, I, I never really set out to write a book, to be honest with you. Um, I was writing a letter to my daughter who was suffering from a pretty serious illness at the time and you know she got through it and it was a pretty scary five years but she's fine now and so I wanted to write a letter to her about what I thought was important in life what what she should be chasing if she was going to chase after something what should it be and the words comfort peace and freedom just kept coming back in, into my my brain I, I just kept seeing these words They're almost like a triangle because they're interrelated and interdependent on each other, okay? So comfort, peace, and freedom is different because, you know, you can be comfortable in a sweater or in, you know, maybe in, in your workout uniform or, or sitting on the couch. I'm talking about being comfortable with who you are as a person. Like, I'm comfortable with who I am, I'm comfortable with my friends, I'm comfortable with my family, I, I, I feel good in this space that I'm in, I'm comfortable with how I view others and how they view me. So I, I'm just, I have this real comfortable space that my head is in right now. And when it comes to peace, you know, 
obviously there's peace is the opposite of war. I get that. But let's talk about that inner peace that you get, okay? Um, from walking your dog in the park, okay? Finding that inner peace. Those are free ways, very inexpensive free ways to go find peace. And, and peace is a state of mind more so than it is, um, you know, an actual um, noun thing. Then when it comes to freedom, the best part about that is we, we tend to live in ways that aren't very spontaneous in life. We, we tend to plan everything and we tend to, you know, we tend to be frustrated or we tend to fear or fret things that are coming down our way or, you know, things that we have to go work on or whatever. But when, when you have the freedom to be able to just do something spontaneously, like, you know, call up a friend and go to lunch or, or go visit your mom or, or just like I said, take a walk in the park or go out and wash your car. I mean, when you have the freedom to be spontaneous, it, it's, it adds a whole other dimension to your life. So no matter how you pursue your life, make sure that you do it in a way that makes you feel comfortable, peaceful, and free because... I know a lot of rich people that are miserable, okay, because their lives are totally out of control. And this isn't about just getting rich. Um, this is about finding a way to hit that sweet spot in your life where if I accomplish this, if I accomplish this drawing, that would be really cool. That would make me feel comfortable, peaceful, and definitely free. That's awesome. I think it's a great principle or create values rather to live by and ha keep in mind because as you said it's not all about the money but it, it's a good side effect if you earn some money because obviously as, as you said you can build your dream house dream life and, and give back so I, i definitely like that um what would you say to people who have concerns about a blue collar job because one thing that comes to my mind what I hear relatives or friends or other people say are things like, well, if I work a job like that, if I work in construction, then in, in 20, 30 years, I'll have back pain and other health issues and stuff like that. What do you say to people who, who come up with concerns like that? Well, they would be 100% correct if we were talking about the 1700s, the 1800s or the 1900s. Okay. Um, but certainly not in the 2000s. And the reason I say that is because, you know, I'm, a, I'm like a health hobbyist, okay? And um, you can pretty much guarantee that if someone is born today, they're going to live to be 100 years old. No doubt. With, with the advances we have in modern science, in nutrition, in um, detecting diseases earlier and earlier, um, in, in things like stem cells um, and those types of things, um, longevity, uh, life rejuvenation, biologics, uh, uh, exosomes, you know, all these types of things, peptide therapies, you're not going to have to worry about that like you did before. And also, you know, there's a lot of things that, that instead of picking something up, there's a lot of technologies that improve how we work on things. I have carpenters working in my house right now. And to see the tools they use and how much easier it is now than it was way back then, that, that concern shouldn't be a concern at all. Um, now, the good news is that is a concern for people. So people are staying away from those jobs, which is creating a high demand for those jobs, which is paying all the money that way. 
So that's why I always say sometimes if everybody's going this way, you might want to think about going that way because that's where all the win that's where all the winning stuff comes from. And uh, I've certainly done that. It's worked out well for me. Yeah, I'm sure it has. And that's mind blowing what you just said that even like it doesn't really matter what type of life you live, of course, um, if no accident or something like that happens, but people who, who are born today will probably live to age 100. And you, you are, might, might also refer to David Sinclair's work. I don't know if you've read his book, Lifespan. Absolutely. I'm very familiar with his work. Yes, yes, I am. Yeah, I haven't read the book yet, actually, but I listened to him on a couple of podcasts and it's mind-blowing the information he shares and that they actually might soon be able to make people younger again, which is simply crazy, yeah. So you well, it, 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 it's, it's funny because I'm, I'm actually involved in some stem cell work and, uh, and those types of things myself. I do it. Um, and um, it, for me, the reason is, you know, I want to be able to, to play sports as long as I can and whatever. And um, most people will tell you it's easier to heal a, a joint like an elbow or a knee or, or a shoulder before it goes bad than it is trying to cut it open and fix it afterwards. So, um, yeah, certainly that stuff's going to be more and more prevalent as we move forward. And uh, I'm really excited about the future and, and, and what we can do to keep ourselves healthy. Yeah, me too. So I, I guess your, your point basically is people shouldn't worry too much about their health. They should rather worry about what is something that can bring them their dream life and what actually fulfills them in the moment, right? Well, if you look at it this way, I think, I think that step back moment that we talked about earlier, where you get to look back at what you've done, I think there's a joy in that. I think there's a, um, I think there's a happiness in that. And they say that most blue collar workers are, are, are much happier in their jobs than white collar workers. And, 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 it's, and I think it's in large part to the reasons I talked about earlier about all the control they have over their lives. I think that brings you a sense of comfort and peace and, and, and freedom when you know you have control over your future. And, and you, are, you are the one that's making your future happen. You're not waiting for someone else you know, to promote you or hope that you can rise within the many layers of a company. So yeah, I, I think I, I wouldn't worry about that at all. And I, and I think again, looking back on my career, there's no way I would have done anything differently because um, from a mental aspect, I was pretty happy the whole time you know, knowing that I can control the way my life would turn out. Awesome. In the book, you also briefly bring up the, the term new collar work. What is that all about and how does it separate itself or what's different about it compared to the, the well-known blue and white collar categories? Well, I, I, think, I think these are jobs that we didn't have before. These are jobs like people being influencers or these are jobs where people are working in technologies that we didn't have before that maybe cross between, like if, if you can find a, a way to make a blue collar job more efficient, that's kind of a new collar job, okay? That's one of those things where you're bridging the two together, things that we hadn't done before. And I, I think, you know, technologies like, like energy, new types of energies, and, um, and how you can take those energies and make, you know, a, a job like welding or a job like being a mechanic or something a, a lot better. These are people that are kind of in between blue, or blue collar and white collar, and they're figuring out ways to make those things better. And um, there's a lot of exciting fields there. There's a lot of exciting 
uh, opportunities for people. And, uh, you know, living, living as long, I mean, I, I'm, I'm in my 50s and living as long as I have, I've really enjoyed watching how things have really changed, um, mostly for the better, I think, uh, when it comes to doing a lot of these things. That's very interesting, yeah. So a friend of mine actually, when I told him about the interview today, he, he asked me, well, but as a blue collar worker, is there actually the earning potential? Is it the same as a white collar worker if you are an employee or do you have to take the step where you have your own business, where you become the employer? What's your take on that? That's a great question. You know, in, um, there, there's, a, there's a term called entrepreneurial employee that is a relatively new term. And I think it was first coined by Tom Galasano, who was the founder of Paychex. And the way he talks about that is you can work within another organization and treat it like it's your own little company, it's your own little division. And people that are running those companies will recognize that and allow you the autonomy to run that division how you want and to earn the potential that you want. Because, you know, they, re they recognize that I can either lose you as an employee to going and opening your own company, or I can make you feel like you do own your own company within my business. And that's becoming very popular now. And if you're, if you're someone who can step up and say, you know what, I think I can make this department really good and I can make these changes and I can do these things. And you go to that boss or that manager and say, I would like to take a shot at this they're really opening their eyes to that because they know that if they don't allow you to do that, you're just going to go open your own company. And I would rather have somebody in my company stay with me a long time, be a long time loyal employee and make them feel and position them to not only kind of feel some ownership, but also to make the money that that would bring. It's, it's a real thing and it's happening. So tell your friend, that's a great question, but there are definitely ways to overcome it that way. That's also a great answer. So thanks for that. And I will definitely share it with him. <laughs> I will tell him to listen to the episode for sure. So I think I might know your answer to this one already, but um, would you say this whole path that you talk about is also um, applicable or suitable for women? You know, it's funny because I've had the pleasure of interviewing a half a dozen gals in, in this process of, of writing this book. And it's so cool. I, you know, first off, I met a gal who was a, who was a welder. Okay. Now she was in, she was in college trying to get a two year degree done and she just couldn't finish it. And then she had a couple of kids and life happens. And she went back when she was 26 and she said, you know, I want to finish my degree. She only needed one class left and her friend told her to take welding. She didn't know anything about welding, had no interest in welding, but she did it anyway. And she liked it. She was very patient. She was very good at it. They, the companies were watching, they came in and they hired her. And now at 27 years of age, she stands on top of 300 foot windmills and welds things and makes $150,000 a year. Wow. So yes. Yes, the answer is women are great in blue collar jobs 
for a lot of reasons. Number one, they're patient, they're loyal. They, you know, they don't, have, they don't have some of the problems I think that that some of the guys do. But um, yeah, there, there's so much opportunity for women in those types of jobs. And uh, again, why is that? Well, so fewer people are look are willing to do them. So that's opening up a lot of areas. Women can be great welders, electricians. I met a a, a family the other day where the grandma was a plumber. The daughter was a plumber and the granddaughter was a plumber. And um, they made a great business for themselves. So, yeah, absolutely. I, I think there's opportunity for women and I would applaud them and, 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 and encourage them all to get into that field and make some great lives for them. That's so cool. I think it's kind of rare in comparison if you look at the percentages, but these stories are awesome. I love to hear that. Um, cool. So for people... Like, would you say that one has to have a a talent? Uh, not talent is probably the wrong word, but does one have to be good with their hands or kind of have a, a an ability to be good at crafts to do something like that? Or would you say it doesn't really matter? Like, if you enjoy it, you will just pick it up, learn it, and, and, it, and it will work out. You know, I'll tell you a quick story. I, I had... I had someone tell me, I hear this all the time, well, you're an entrepreneur, so you're lucky that you're able to do these things. So I look back at them and I say, okay, here's a pen and some paper, draw entrepreneur, just draw that for me. And, and they can't because entrepreneur isn't really something that you can draw, it's not a thing. It's a collection of characteristics, characteristics like persistence and resilience and faith and courage and, and, and you know, all those patience and, you know, all those types of things, right? There's, there's probably nine characteristics that make up an entrepreneur. Well, here's the thing. We all have those characteristics within us. We just have to have a reason for them to come out. And so when you draw, you want your life to look, okay? If you begin with that, then all of a sudden, all these mini little entrepreneur characteristics come out of everybody. And, and once you know what you want and you have a clear idea of what it is, you can become an entrepreneur or start thinking in an entrepreneurial way and create that life you want for yourself. So, yeah, I, I don't think you necessarily have to have an innate talent. I think you can learn most of these things. You just have to have a reason why you're doing it. Mm. Yeah, I agree. That's a, that's a good answer. One concept or, yeah, one, I think it's kind of a model that you talk about in your book is the five-gallon bucket hat. Can you maybe explain that to the listeners, what that is all about? Well, this is kind of a play on words, but we, we use a lot of buckets in our, in our business, you know. If, if uh, we use uh, five-gallon buckets with handles, and we, we, what we, do is we haul construction materials in and out of the basements of houses that way. And um, believe it or not, it's a pretty efficient way to do it. Um, we, we've looked at other ways, and this still just seems to be the best way. Well, you know, the buckets get used and broken and worn. So when you buy new buckets for the crews, they're, they're, I mean, they're like, thank, this is awesome. Thank you for buying these new buckets. And we get them from factories and people that use, they have all the things that they, they don't need them anymore. So we, we buy them from them. So, but I began to think that when you think about, the human condition and, and the human being and, 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 and how our bodies work and how that relates to emotions. Emotions is always like the most 
obvious thing. So I compared a bucket to someone's head, okay? So the first gallon is your basic DNA, okay? It stays put, it's at the bottom, it never really moves, it's there. And it just kind of makes you who you are. It kind of makes you do the things that you do. Your second gallon is typically things that are involuntary, like breathing and heartbeats and, um, uh, you know, uh, curing yourself of an illness or replicating and growing, those types of things. The third bucket is the, is the movements that you, you begin to learn, you know. You, you're never really, uh, you never really know how to ride a bike until you do it, you know. So you learn these things. You learn how to move about. You learn how to walk, how to run, how to jump how to pull yourself up, you learn how to ride things um, and throw things and make things. So that's the third. The fourth is, is how, what you, did, what you choose to put into your computer, what you download, what you learn in schools and, and, and you, you learn by doing things, okay? So that's where you learn. And, and the final bucket, the, the final, the fifth gallon, the very top gallon of a five gallon bucket is where your emotions live. And I, all those other things below it cause these emotions to come out. And I always say that there's no such thing as a, a five and a half gallon bucket. It's five gallons. That's all you get. And that fifth gallon, that's it. So if you try to put too many emotions into that top gallon, it's going to spill over and everyone's going to know about it. Okay. They're going to see that you're frustrated, you're fearful, you're angry, uh, or you might be joyous, you might be celebratory, you might be, you know, just thrilled. So know that your your emotions are a choice and that's what's really important you know you can't have um, spontaneity if you have frustration in your head you can't have joy if you have anger you can't have confidence if you have fear so these these emotions are a choice that you put into your head you can't fit them all in at once only so many can work so because you know it's a choice you should choose to put the most positive ones in you can on a daily basis because, you know, that's just a much happier way to live. Totally. I think it's such a great takeaway to be intentional about the emotions you allow in your life. So thanks for sharing that. So one more question that um, I have personally is I, you're kind of a car guy, I'd say, um, and you have a little collection yourself. I'm curious, what's your favorite car? Oh my gosh, they're all favorite for different reasons. Um, I would have to say the AC Cobra is is my favorite because you know it's just a it's just a pretty raw car. It's just engine and body and and um, side exhaust and it's loud. It doesn't have any windows or a roof. It doesn't have a radio or a heater. It's just a raw, powerful car, and um, it you know it's it's a it's it's I just got it about a year ago and I, I drive that one more than the other ones and, and uh, it's just a really fun car to have because it's just so simple it's back to the basics that's so cool so one last question for you since this show is called the power of books and it's all we talk about on here I'm curious which books or are there any books that have really impacted your life in a positive way so maybe if you can name one or two uh, I would say um, for sure, the seven habits of highly effective, effective people, because there's just a lot of things in there that you can use. That book's been a bestseller forever, and there's a lot of things in it that you can use to uh, to to figure out how to how to communicate and how to be an effective person. Okay, 
you know, I, I also think there's a lot of those one-minute manager books that are out there. There's a whole series of those, and, and they, they basically show you how not to waste your time, how to do things. Um, you know, it's funny because when you're younger, you think you have your whole life ahead of you, and you do. When you're in, in your middle ages, you realize that, yeah, I still got some life left, but when you get a little bit older, you're like, man, that went fast. So, you know, time management is a huge thing, not just at work, but in your entire life. And, and again, spending life with, with people that are positive instead of spending your time with people that are negative. I mean, you have so many hours to do that. I would encourage you to, to use those things effectively. So th those are books that, um, that I think are, are good reference books. You can go back and look at them all you want um, and, uh, and just learn how to live effectively. Thanks for these recommendations. I got to look into the one minute manager series because I actually haven't read any of these yet. They, they have a whole bunch of them. I mean, there's, there's, they're very small books like Who Moved My Cheese and, and Gung Ho and all those different types of books where they're just, they're quick reads, but they give you stuff you can use instantly. Um, and uh, the One Minute Manager is a great one as well. And uh, they have a series of them, but um, yeah, yeah, ch check them out. You'll, you'll, you'll soon have a half a dozen of them on your shelf because they're, they're quick and easy to read and you'll be able to use the things inside of them. That's great. I love books like that. So to our audience today, I highly recommend checking out Ken's book, Blue Collar Cash, if you want to learn more about how to develop your life path and maybe go down the blue collar path if, if that's what you're passionate about. And Ken, thank you so much for your time today. It was a pleasure talking to you and having you on. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you. All right, that's it. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of The Power of Books. As always, you will find all the relevant links for today's episode in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure to subscribe so that you will get notified whenever a new episode drops. And you would do us a huge favor if you could give us a 5-star review on your favorite platform. I hope to see you next week and until then, keep reading, keep learning and keep growing. Bye bye.